Do you find yourself getting all fired up on social media and can't wait to let everyone know what your opinion is? Pastor Ed Taylor suggests putting on the brakes and pray first. We live in a culture that, that some of us have bought into, some of you have bought into, where you think your opinion is the most important thing out there. And that somehow the world won't keep spinning unless you share your opinion. You know, you just got to get it out there. And what happens? You get a real emotional response to something. You don't like something that's happened in the government. You don't like something happened in the city. You don't like something happened at work. You don't like something. And, and you feel injustice. You feel whatever it might be. And then, and then before praying about it, before even laying it before the Lord, you just... But you want to let everyone know about what your opinion is. And you don't remember that you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You know, you've spent all this time building up credibility with people and you lose it in one keystroke. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Taylor in a second, who today picks up where we left off in 2 Kings 3. Elisha has a word for the people. Go dig some ditches in the valley, and God will provide the much-needed water. Pastor Ed believes there's a word there for us to receive that has to do with cooperating with God and His agenda. Let's see what that is now. Well, it says in verse 16, he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind. This is verse 17. Nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water so that your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is but a trivial thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites in you, into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. There is a great testimony here that there, you know, there's just, there, sometimes for some people, for some people, that there is a trial hard enough and a storm difficult enough. There, there seems to be not a trial hard enough or a storm difficult enough that will turn a hard heart back to the Lord. You know, you that are praying for your kids, your backslidden kids that have been backslidden for a long time, and, and even though you've been afraid to pray this, you've been getting to pray, God, whatever it takes, because then you watch things coming into their life and it still doesn't turn them. And you watch another thing come into their life and it still doesn't turn them. And, 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 you know, here in the, what's being laid out here in this battle, all the arid wasteland, he says, there, there hasn't been anything to drink for them. You go ahead and draw, you know, carve out and dig out these big ditches. Get to work. This is the word of the Lord. Dig the ditches because it's in the ditches I'm going to provide the water. And there is God's part and there's man's part. And as one pastor pointed out to us, uh, he said that, that Jehoshaphat was in the wrong place but had the right heart and God honored that in his life and began to speak, dig these ditches, dig these ditches. 
It's just verse 18. As big as the thing is before you, when God acts, it's just a trivial thing. And to show that it's a trivial thing, he's going to even do greater things than what you ask for. Paul picks up, I've already mentioned it, but Paul picks that up when he writes to the Ephesians that God is, is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or ask. All of it. As much as your imagination could even ask, God's ready to do beyond that. To, to, to bring him the most glory through your life. Well, in verse 20, it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered and suddenly water came by the way of Edom. Suddenly water came by the way of Eden and the land, what does your Bible say? Was filled, filled with water. Mark that. The ditches, the land filled with water. And when the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered. They stood at the border. They rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. A miraculous work of God on top of a miraculous work of God. And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil. And when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled from before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities. Each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. They stopped up all the springs of water, cut down all the good trees, except that they left intact the stones of Kir Haraseth. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too intense for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. And he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was a great indignation against Israel. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. It's sad what false worship will do. You'll destroy your own kids with false worship. I mean, this is a pretty dramatic way to do that, to sacrifice your kids unto the false gods of the day. But lest we think that's just a primitive discussion and just a primitive description of something that's been thousands of years today, there are children being sacrificed to the altar of pleasure every day of the year in this country and around the world through abortion. Legally celebrated funded by our own government. I mean, idol worship is still with us today. The devastating effects of sinful pleasures and sinful rebellion, idolatry will lead us all to do really bad things. You see, after the ditches were dug, God provided the water. Not one minute earlier and not one minute too late. He provided it just on time. The Moabites, it says, wake up, and it looks like blood to their eyes. So they thought there was a battle overnight, and they needed, all they needed to go was just clean it up and take care of business, and they won. But it wasn't as it seemed. That is a theme throughout the Bible, that things aren't always as they appear, that just what our eyes can see are not the proof. That's why the Bible says that we don't walk by sight but by faith. And the Moabites were defeated in their own cities by the power and the strength and the wisdom of God. Why? Because it wasn't as it appeared. Now, I have to say, guys, it's easy to come to wrong conclusions in our lives. 
As someone once said, one of the things that Christians are quickest to do, and they they do it the best, is to jump to wrong conclusions. And how quickly we do that. Not everything is as it seems, or as it appears, or as it is written on some social media place or some blog. Why is it that we are so ingrained to think the worst at one little statement, especially of the body of Christ, where we have wisdom, we have the God of all knowledge, the God of truth, who can verify and give us discernment and direction. He can confirm to us, and and, and even in that, there's the question of, is it any of our business anyway? How this world wants to destroy the reputations of men and women throughout the body of Christ. You know, in the day, I I look back to some of the old messages that that would reflect on, on some of the old notes and things, or just my recollection. I remember taking such a strong stand in years previous. I would say something like, don't believe everything that you get in that forwarded email. <laughs> you remember the days of forwarded emails? I mean, you got all kinds of nonsense in there. It was just the weirdest, craziest things. And then from forwarded emails, we used to say, I used to teach, hey, don't believe everything you read on that blog. It's probably some guy in his grandma's basement that is using his grandma's internet and just typing lies and doesn't have a life himself. And so watch out. And now what is it? Social media. And it makes you wonder, you know, you think social media is going to be the end. What's next? What's going to be used next to spread falsehood and lies Instantly, around the world, instantly, people pick up on things, they call it what? Viral. And you just forward something on, and you just click this, and you never really verify, and it kind of looks real, and, and you just kind of, and then, then what happens? Then, then we get caught up in being a part of the lie. For what purpose? What purpose did it serve? How did it fulfill this? So so think of this. Maybe you print it out, put it on your computer, or put it on the inside of your glasses so you can see it all the time. But but consider this. Turn over to Ephesians with me and consider this verse in light of our emailing, in light of our texting, in, in light of our blogging or internet searches or even what we post on social media as the Bible says very clearly... And, okay, it's verse 29. So you can see from verse 28, let, verse 29, let, verse 31, let, verse 6 of chapter 5. So chapter 4, verse 29, all these series of commands. And and he uses the word let. But here's the command that will help us when it comes to what we forward, what we send, what we retweet, what we repost. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification. That's a fancy Bible word for building someone up, encouraging them, strengthening their life, that it might impart what? Grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. What's happening is, there's a couple things happening here. Remember the theme is not everything is as it appears. A couple things happen. One, We live in a culture that that some of us have bought into, some of you have bought into, where you think your opinion is the most important thing out there. And that somehow the world won't keep spinning unless you share your opinion. You know, you just got to get it out there. 
And what happens? You get a real emotional response to something. You don't like something that's happened in the government. You don't like something that happened in the city. You don't like something that happened at work. You don't like something, and, and you feel injustice. You feel whatever it might be. And then, and then before praying about it, before even laying it before the Lord, you just, I'm not done yet. Put on a whole album and just, I'm going to let everyone know. No one asked for your opinion, but you want to let everyone know about what your opinion is. And you don't remember that you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're an I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. What I write, what I say, as I'm walking in the Spirit, I've certainly made this mistake myself, so I'm not preaching at you. I'm listening from the Holy Spirit speaking to us tonight so that we might use our time and our talents and our treasure and our social media for the glory of God and not lose our credibility. You know, you've spent all this time building up credibility with people and you lose it in one keystroke, one little return, and now people don't trust you anymore because you stabbed them and you cut them and you, you might have made this point and you made this point over here, so you made a lot of people happy because they share that opinion. And then you, on this side, you hurt people and you crush them with your opinion. And, and you didn't really mean to. It wasn't like you were really set out to hurt people. You just wanted your opinion shared. You just want to just kind of jump in on it all. And, and I've learned over the years. I'm not perfect at it, for sure, in any way whatsoever. But I'm learning, I should say, that my opinion isn't really as important as the Word of God. It's not important. And unless somebody asks for my opinion, I'm not really going to share it. If you want it, ask me. But otherwise, just seek the Lord. So that's one thing that's happening here. You know, so be careful. But secondly, I think that this, is, this phrase, not everything is as it appears, also reminds us when we come to wrong conclusions when we listen to gossip. When we receive gossip, we will come to the wrong conclusion. Listen to what the Bible says, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's not just like going to court and lying about him. It's a lying about him everywhere. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't spread stuff about him. It's a much broader thing than just picturing yourself in court. Well, you know, I've never bear false witness because I've never been in court. No, it's more than that. The principle is so much bigger. Don't lie about people. Don't lie about people. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip, um, this is from the New Living, a gossip tells secrets, so don't hang around with someone who talks too much. Proverbs 18, 8, New, New Living. What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. That's one of the many dangers with the sin of gossip. You're only getting one side of the story, and often it's a very slanted side to the story. And on top of that, you're listening to the gossip. So now you're sinning upon sin, and then if you come to the wrong conclusion, strike three. You're out. Nothing good's going to come from gossip. Nothing good's going to come from a, a lying story, a trivial tale. It looks like blood. It looks like blood. Look, what do you see? Blood. What do you see? Blood. It was water. It was water. Not everything that we see is accurate. And there you come. Uh, and I think the greatest error when it comes to these things is then ascribing your opinion to God. God told me to say this. Really? Because if God told you to say this, then I think God would also tell me what you're about to share with me so that there's a bearing of witness together. Well, you know, God told me to tell you that. Okay. You know, I'll pray about it. 
and I'll seek the Lord. But, you know, this, is, this doesn't bear witness with the scriptures. It doesn't bear witness with my heart. Uh, it, it might, I mean, uh, I'm going to seek the Lord, and I believe he can speak to me as much as he can speak to you. And, man, it, does, it wasn't blood. It's only water. And, and the water that the Lord provides, the truth of the matter, the truth of the gossip you've believed, the conclusions you've come to, maybe the gossip you've spread, maybe the brother that you slandered, maybe the sister that you have lied about and destroyed their character. It's not blood, it's water. And soon the water of the Lord will spell your demise and bring you to a place of brokenness by your own selfish decisions, to a place yet of repentance and asking the Lord for forgiveness for slandering a brother, destroying their reputation. Psalm 101 verse 5 says, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I'll destroy. And the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. And what we find at the end of the chapter here is that victory comes to the ones relying upon the Lord, comes to the ones that seek out God, who's a prophet. We need to hear, Jehoshaphat says, we've got to hear from God. We can't go forward without hearing from God. And then at the end of the chapter, you see the Moabites seek to attack the Edomites. And what does the king do? He sacrifices his own son looking for victory. Israel departs and the battle was over. One last thing I want to leave with today, and that's back in verse 15. Would you go there with me? Chapter 3, verse 15. Let's look back at this instruction to dig ditches. I want to touch on it briefly because I believe the Holy Spirit has a word for us on this topic. He says in verse 15, bring me a musician. And it happened when the musicians played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is but a trivial thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. And you're going to attack every fortified city, every choice city, shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. You know, this instruction to dig ditches reminds me of the blessed privilege that God gives us to cooperate with him in what he's doing on the earth. To cooperate with him. Cooperate is a softer word that's easier to accept But when I share cooperation, I really am referring to our opportunity to obey God. Obedience. Obedience and cooperation. They're really synonyms. What a privilege God has given us to obey Him. We're in a relationship with the living God that is not filled with religious duties. It's not a list of things that you must follow in order to be right with God. Elisha tells them, dig, God wants you to dig ditches in this arid desert land. Dig ditches for the sake of the coming of water from the Lord. A miraculous work of God. Only God could give the water, but they had to dig the ditches. Now certainly God could have dug the ditches, but he chose for them to cooperate. You dig the ditches, I provide the water. You dig the ditches. I like what Paul writes to the Philippians. He says, for it's God who works in you. This is Philippians 2.13. It's God that works in you, what? Both to will, the desire to do something for God, and to do the power to accomplish it. 
that, that really anything that we do for God, it's God working in us. It's God working in us and our yielding. Now you can jot this down in Exodus chapter 25 in verse 10 or so. Uh, God gives instruction to the children of Israel to build the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I'll read it to you. If you want to flip over there, you can, but I'll read it to you. There's, there's quite a bit of instruction of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Very precise, very specific in Exodus chapter 20, uh, 25, I should say. Very specific. And he says, you know, after telling him, you make a mercy seat, make two cherubim, make one cherubim. And finally he gets in verse 21, he says, you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I give you. And there I'll meet with you, and I'll speak with you from above the mercy seat and between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, of all the things which I give you in the commandment to the children of Israel. Now, the way you read Exodus 25 is really dependent upon how you view God. Because if you view God as just a taskmaster that tells you what to do all the time and that you need to obey him in every single area in order to prove yourself, in order to have a sense of security with him, to have value for him, you know, the idea of I'm going to work really hard for you, God, because I love you and and that's the only way that I'll have the sense that I'm right with you, then you're going to emphasize the first part of that section. Take this, do this, get this, make this, fashion this, put this, put it all together. But if you approach God from the way that he approached you, if we approach God from the way that he condescended and came to our level from a perspective of grace, then the last two verses will blow your mind. Yeah, yeah, you have your part. Go get the wood, this kind of wood. Cut it this size. Yeah, these measurements. Make sure you fashion the angels to look this way. Make sure that the lid goes on top of the box and you put the little round holes on there and you put the post through there. Make sure you do it exactly as I tell you, but for this purpose. Because notice he says, you're going to put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony, what? That I will give you. And there I will meet you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. And I will give you in the commandment at the end, verse 27, to the children of Israel. A grace-based perspective of understanding the love and the mercy of God doesn't emphasize what we do for God. It emphasizes what God does for us. What he's done. How gracious and how good he's been. I was reading recently of, uh, in an article of three tests that you can share with someone that would really help them determine if they're a real believer or not. One of the tests is ask them to explain the mercy of God. The mercy of God. And I believe that the author in his article was really leading us down a path of not having some theological seminary-based answer. But if you've experienced the mercy of God, then you can describe it. The mercy of God. What is the mercy of God? But man, not receiving what we deserve. Remembering where we came from. Remembering the life we had apart from Christ, the damage that we did, the loneliness that we felt, the heap of unconfessed sin that we locked on ourselves. You you can't help but begin to embrace the mercy of God. God, without you, where would I be today? Without you, I know where I'd be. I know what the end game was. I know what it led me. But you interrupted my life. You sent Jesus Christ to die for me when I was still a sinner. When I was in my worst condition, the mercy of God. 
Thank God for His mercy, not receiving what we deserve. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of 2 Kings. Hear these studies online at calvaryaurora.org, and you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes as well. We'd also suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Have you made a New Year's resolution? Many of us have, but perhaps you're frustrated as you're finding it hard to break free of a stubborn habit. We'd like to offer some help in the form of a book by Erwin Lutzer. It's called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. In it, he provides practical tools that will help you find the freedom you desperately want to have from those nasty, bad habits. We'll send you a copy when you support the ministry of Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. We can't thank you enough for your support, especially as we begin another year on this station. It's a step of faith, and we continually ask the Lord for His provision. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. We'll have another look into 2 Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 